You're listening to Minimalish, a podcast where we talk about simplifying our stuff, our lives, our motherhood, all in a realistic way so that we can make room for what matters. We're not here for perfectly tidy homes or seeing how much we can possibly declutter. We're here for living with less. Realistically, it's going to look different for all of us, but we're not really focused on how our version of minimalism looks anyways. We're focused on how it feels. I'm your host, Desiree. I'm a mom to two and on my own journey of living with a little less clutter so I can have more space for an intentional life. I'm no expert, and I like to think of this as a corner of the internet where we're learning and growing together. So let's walk towards a more simple and intentional life. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back to Minimalish. Today, I am coming to you with another episode that I think can help us make one small change this year. Focusing on our finances and how we spend our money is a topic I like to cover every once in a while on the podcast. I am far from an expert, so I typically bring a guest on to help me do that. And I always think the beginning of the year is a great time to talk about this because we're just overall more motivated to get things in check after maybe we just spent a little extra on the holiday season or just in general, you know, this time of year brings that energy. It's also important to note that it is January 19th, which means it is the annual day that people drop off their goals. So maybe your goal was a financial goal and maybe you are starting to feel a little less motivation. Today's episode is going to be perfect for you. But I want to encourage you in any kind of goal that you set for yourself or small change, as we talked about a couple of episodes ago, I wanted to encourage you to keep going. It's okay if you have fallen off a little bit, right? If it's important enough to you, pick back up. And if you haven't listened to the first episode of the year where we talked about making one small change, and maybe you tried to make this big goal that just ended up feeling like too much, and you're at this point where you're like, I cannot continue to do this. I set something that was a little bit over the top for how I'm feeling at the start of this year. Go back and listen to that episode after you listen to this current one. If finances weren't even on your radar as a goal that you wanted to set at the beginning of the year, I want to encourage you that this episode is just such an encouragement for anyone who has set a budget before or has wanted to kind of learn more about budgeting. While we're not talking about Budgeting 101 today, my guest, Carly of Debt Free Mom, is going to encourage us so much today on a simpler, more logical way to create our budget and also just so many tips on how to actually track our budget in a way that it becomes part of our routine, it becomes simple, and it becomes something we can actually keep up with. So if you've ever made a budget, but you have struggled to keep up with it and actually track it throughout the month, this is going to be the episode for you. We also talk about grocery budgets a little bit because that is a very hot topic right now, and it's something that probably many of us have had to adjust or are thinking about. It's at the front of our minds is the fact that we are spending more and more in the grocery stores over the past couple of years. So we dive into a range of topics, but we mostly talk about, you know, how do we set up our budget each month and then actually follow through with it? And how can we make the most of our grocery budgets and do our best to stick to our values in that area as well. Carly is extremely encouraging and she talks about all of these things in a way that just makes it much more approachable, much more understandable than maybe some of the ways we hear budgets talked about. So let's dive into my conversation with Carly. Carly, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. I've been using your budgeting spreadsheet template, so and I, I just love everything you share, so I'm just so excited to have you on today. Before we get started, could you just tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do? Absolutely. So I'm a mom of four kids. I have uh, three sons and a daughter, ranging from one to seven and a half. I was a special education teacher before becoming a mom, and then I was a stay-at-home mom with a couple of part-time jobs on the side for a while, full stay-at-home mom in uh, 2018, and really quickly realized that I was best for myself and best for my family when I was also doing something else besides 
a stay-at-home mom. Um, so out of that came a Instagram account that was just a hobby called Debt Free Mom that slowly grew into a side job that slowly grew into a full-time business that now supports our family. So Debt Free Mom is an Instagram account as well as courses and services that provide women with the knowledge and tools to manage their money in a way that's confident and doesn't take up all of their time. So that is what I'm all about now. Um, still a mom. I still like, I consider myself a stay at home mom who has a business because I'm home all the time and with my kids, but balancing both of those things now. I love that story. And, you know, I can relate to that feeling of just like wanting to be home and really enjoying it, but also knowing that you want to have your own thing too. Yeah. Um, you know, something that you are creating or putting work into, whatever that might be, even though yeah. we're, we're putting our work into our homes and families. Oh, yeah. But- just found that my brain functioned better when some of the time was spent doing just using a different part of my brain in a different way, you know, when it, when it was exclusively like the diapers and the nap schedules and all that kind of stuff, I just kind of felt lost. And then I just felt like a better balanced person when I could do even just, you know, 30 minutes a day of hopping on Instagram and just talking about a totally wildly different topic than what the rest of my day was about. Yeah. Well, I love it. And now you are helping so many other women, you know, be able to feel, feel confident with their money. So I, you know, I want to talk about a couple of different things that I think are very relevant to both the beginning of the year and just like the economy right now. Um, But the first thing I wanted to talk about is you talk about budgeting by paycheck or budgeting by pay period. So Whenever I heard you talking about that and kind of saw your, I saw someone else sharing about your budgeting spreadsheet, I was like, this is going to make much more sense for me. I always really struggled to budget the whole month. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference of your budgeting method versus others? Yeah. So I personally, as well as teach others, budgeting by pay period. And what this does is it includes one of the most important components that most budget tools leave out, which is when are you paid? So budgeting tools that are by month, um, unless you are paid once a month on the first of the month, which is most most of us are not paid that way, um, unless you are, the budgeting tools that you're looking at are going to create a summary of what happens with your money throughout the month. So you'll have all these bills come on different times and all these expenses. And we're, we've always been really good about, you know, when, when anybody tries to sit down and write a budget, they're writing down, oh, the ninth of the month is when I have my utility bill and the first of the month is when I have my rent. But then for some reason, we totally leave out when the paychecks come. We, we kind of ignore the dates of those paychecks, and we just list all of our income as a sum total. And what happens with that is we create this mismatch between our bank account and our budget. So we find ourselves looking at a budget that on paper has the right numbers. We're like, this is my actual paycheck. These are my actual bills. Why does it seem to be such a mess in my bank account? And the reason is that we're leaving out when we're getting paid. So we're having this ebb and flow of cash in our bank account, and we're not tracking, is there going to actually be enough money in the bank account when those expenses need to be paid? Because those budget tools that budget once a month are basically making you assume that all of your income is sitting there ready on day one. So it doesn't matter when our rent needs to be paid because the budget looks like all the money will be there on day one when really that's not the case. Um, Only... 5% of United States businesses pay their employees once a month. So 95% of employers are paying paying their employees more frequently than once a month, yet every budget tool we come across is basically pigeonholing us into a once a month budget. So in a budget by pay period, we center the plan around when the money is going to come in. So we rightly ask ourselves, when I have this paycheck available, what actually needs to be covered with that paycheck before I'm going to get paid again. Um, And that helps our budget align with what's going to happen in our bank account. And it becomes this picture, this map that we can lay out in advance to say, this is the actual cash flow that's going to happen in my bank account and I need to plan accordingly. I can't pretend like all of my income is going to be there on day one if it's not actually going to be there. Yeah, I I love it. It makes so much sense. And 
you know, when my husband and I were both working full time, we were both getting paid luckily on the same day, but twice a month. And so Mm -hmm. it, it just makes sense that if that's how the majority, (laughs) most of us are getting paid that we kind of, you know, cater our budget to that. Yeah, so, we were always paid every other Friday. And so I found myself all before pay period budgeting, I was like, why is this such a mess? Like, why am I not able to try? You know, it felt like something that should be so simple. And so I think that's why we have such a high level of frustration because we're just constantly faced with what am I missing? What am I doing wrong? And it's that component of when. When does the money come in? Yeah. And I really also like that it, it for me at least, what I struggled with for so long and what I still struggle with is the tracking part of it. Mm-hmm. And when you have that whole month laid out there and you have like whatever your grocery budget is for the whole month, it's hard mm-hmm. to like from the beginning think about, okay, well, how can I, I mean, obviously it, it's simple math, but it's not at the same time. No, it's not. <laughs> you get, uh, there's other things that play into it. Like you get tired by the end of the month and it feels I don't know. It feels hard to stretch it a whole month versus if you're splitting it up and saying like, oh, I have to stretch this two weeks or or whatever that looks like. Yep. Yeah. I think we're just – we're not as good at – pacing ourselves as we like to think that we are. Um, And so a month, a 30-day window of time to stick to one set of numbers, to track one set of bills is just a long time. I know it doesn't sound like it, but it really is. You know, if we think about some new habit that we've tried to form and we said, okay, for 30 days, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Well, I don't know about you, but most of the time I fall off the wagon with that by day 10, day 11. Um, And it's the same is true for our money. So by breaking it into these smaller chunks, especially if we're, we naturally have these smaller windows of time built into our pay periods, breaking down when we have to track that as well um, makes it so much easier to stick to it because by the time things start to get messy, we're probably a few days away from starting fresh with a new pay period as opposed to a few weeks away if we have a whole month budget. So that um, that burnout or frustration is is common is is actually part of budgeting and if we start to feel that and it gets messy and we're let's say on day eight of a thirty day budget the the talk that we start to tell ourselves is well we have such a long time before this resets that I might as well not even try I might as well not even pay attention because I've already blown it or I've already gotten frustrated or I've already messed it up but if we're on day eight and it starts to feel messy and our pay period budget is resetting five days later, six days later, it becomes much easier to tell ourselves, you can stick to it. You can you can figure it out. And we're going to start fresh in five days, not in 22 days. Yeah. So we're not going to talk about like budgeting 101 today because nope. <laughs> one, I don't think that really lends itself to audio that well. I think like seeing someone, you know, actually yes, for sure. video would be great for that. You you do have resources, though. If there's someone out there that's like, I really need to start a budget and I'm a little bit lost on that. So I want to, to give you a chance to share those resources right now. Yeah. So I have everything from multiple free things to me building a budget for you to you learning how to build a budget for yourself. So to start out, if you're just like, I want to see something without paying or without committing before I jump in, um, a couple things. I have a free basic pay period budget template. So it's built on Google Sheets. It also functions in Excel and Apple Numbers. Um, and it's a very basic six pay period plan that you can list your income at the top and your expenses under underneath um, and just kind of get a feel for what does this format look like? How would my numbers play out in it? Um, And then moving up from there, I have a $9 budget template that looks similar to that. However, it comes with four tutorial videos to help jumpstart that process and give you a little more confidence about the setup. And then also the budget template itself has some more analytics about your spending. So it will sum up how much you're spending across the six pay periods per category category with um, a pers- a total and a percent of your spending as your take-home pay. So for example, you could list it out. Um, one thing that is really helpful with this 
uh, this feature is subscriptions. So many people are like, I have got to cancel my subscriptions. It's taking up my money. And then they lay out their money according to pay period in this budget that shows them what percent of your take-home pay is actually going to subscriptions. And they realize that 1.7% of their take-home pay is going to subscriptions and 27% of their take-home pay is going to food. So am I most benefited by trying to cancel a subscription or am I most benefited by leaving the subscriptions alone and trying to eat just one more meal at home, for example? So it can really help with aligning what we think is going on with our money with what is actually going on with our money. Um, And then I have a service called a custom budget where I take that same template and actually build the budget for you so that you can see what your numbers look like with someone else building it. Um, You know, kind of an outside perspective I think is sometimes helpful, especially if people feel overwhelmed or frustrated or emotional or them and their partner are not getting along about what they should do. All those kind of things can be helpful for outside perspective. So that's called a custom budget. And then the last one is Pay Period Budget Academy, which is my big course um, that teaches everything from A to Z, how to go from I don't even know how much I spend to I'm tracking and using a budget by pay period in my real life and updating it even when things get messy so that I can stick to it for the long term. So I have a whole range of whatever um, whatever service, whatever pay p- Uh, whatever price point um, to get people started when they're unsure of what a pay period budget might even look like for them. Yeah. So good. Well, I want to talk about sticking to a budget and I didn't really send you this in the questions, but I was thinking like, before we really dig into that, if someone might've struggled with budgeting in the past, a lot of times it is because of the actual sticking to it, right? Mm -hmm. You can make the budget, can use a really great spreadsheet like yours and Mm -hmm. set it all up. But there's a step after that. First of all, I just, I kind of want to like ask you for your motivation for someone who might just like struggle with finances, struggle with this idea of budgeting in general of like, why is this important? Um, And then, and then we'll dig into some tips for sticking to a budget. Sure. So I think at a at a sky level view, if we were to zoom out and be like, why why is someone even interested in budgeting? Um, first of all, whether we like it or not, money touches every single part of our life. Like there's not a part of our life that is unaffected by what we spend, what we make, what we save. Um, and so for good or bad, again, like it or not, that's kind of just the reality of the way life is set up as we live it. So If that's the case, and if we have to accept that that's true, then whether we like it or not, what can what's the next best best thing we can do? And the next best thing we can do, even if we don't like that money touches everything, is to manage it well. Because when we manage it well, we decrease the frustration, we decrease the stress, and we decrease these negative impacts on our future that are happening whether we realize it or not. And we don't want to get to that point and then then look back and be like, man, if I had managed the money differently, I wouldn't be where I am today. So although it feels overwhelming, I I wish... I wish beyond all wishes that there was a different word than budget because I just think that it carries so much negative weight that it doesn't need to. It gets this bad rap. And so when we hear the word, we just have this resistance to it before we've even started. Like a lot of times we just have to get over the word budget in order to try something. So I I like to think of it more like a plan that I'm in the driver's seat of, that that my money is going to go somewhere and I can decide where it goes or it can just kind of happen to me. So I can be a passive piece of this puzzle or I can be an active driver behind where my money is actually going. And when those when we realize that those are the two options, that's where I get my motivation is we're bringing in paychecks and they're going to exit our account and go somewhere. Do I want to decide where they go in advance or do I just kind of want to watch where they go and pick up the pieces as it gets messy? Yeah. And I think a lot of people feel restricted by that idea of a budget, Mm -hmm. but like you said, it relieves so much stress and there's so much freedom and feeling like, okay, I have more control over this and I, I know where that money's going. 
it, it's not any different. <laughs> like you just said, yeah. it's going to leave my account anyways, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I might as well be intentional about it. So with the new year, you know, I'm sure, you know, it's a motivating time for for people to to change something. And I think that this can be obviously a very impactful change that we can make and we can see so much good from it. So the hardest part for me, and I think the hardest part for many people isn't necessarily setting it up. Mm-hmm. After we get past that point, it is the figuring out how to actually keep up with it and make it happen. So I just want to hear your biggest tips for someone who struggled with that. Sure. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is that tracking a budget and changing the way you spend are two different habits that need to be built. And trying to build them at the same time is really hard and not setting yourself up for success. So my first recommendation is to build a budget according to what you are currently doing, the way you currently spend, the bills you currently have. So many times when people think of sitting down to build a budget, it's Two, again, two new tasks at the same time, tracking a, their spending um, in a new way and trying to spend in a new way. So they'll sit down and make a budget and they'll be like, okay, I need to spend $60 less a month in groceries than I have. And I need to cancel these three bills and I need to stop going to Target. And, and they come up with all these massive changes to their spending habits at the same time as that they're trying to track a budget at the Um, of those new spending. So what I encourage people to do is first build a budget according to what you currently do, even if you don't like those numbers. Even if you sit down and you're like, man, our our eating out is wild or my Amazon orders add up to way more than I thought they would. Whatever those numbers are, go ahead and just write them down and build what I call an as-is budget. What are my current numbers? And I'm just going to get used to tracking that. I'm just going to get comfortable with the idea that as I spend, I go into some budget and I mark it paid or I write it down. And once that... uh, uh, Once that habit is built, then we can start to ask ourselves, what do I want to adjust? What do I want to change about my spending? But nine times out of 10, I see people try to do both of those at the same time. And they're they're both really hard tasks. So if you are trying, you know, if that's a 2023 resolution for you to budget in a way that you actually stick to, then my encouragement is to first build a budget that represents what you're already doing and start to track that. And then ask yourself, now that I have this habit of tracking my spending built, now what do I want to start to tweak so that the budget lines up with what my priorities are? That makes so much sense. It It is. It's true. It's like building, trying to build multiple habits at once mm-hmm. when you are trying to shift your spending habits and track a budget. So I love that idea because really tracking is simple mm-hmm. in itself. And if you can just build that reflex of something, you know, you're building into your routine, then from there you can start shaving off the other habits that you need to, the spending habits. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Um, 
what does your routine look like for tracking your budget? And, you know, what is, what are some, I guess, examples of how someone could fit it into their daily routine? Like if they have kids, if they're busy, whatever Mm -hmm. that might look like. Sure. So I track or update my budget every once every two to three days, and it takes 15 to 20 minutes. Um, so that adds up to less than an hour a week. And in return, I get the comfort and security of knowing where my money is going and having peace of mind about the way that I spend because I have an awareness of what my budget is doing. So I have found that if I try to go a really long time without looking at my bank account and looking at my budget and assuming that because the budget looked pretty at the beginning that it's going to stay that way, I have found that the mess is so much harder to clean up. But when I when I switched from trying to do like, you know, one big budget meeting or something to small frequent check-ins, I I felt this level of awareness and comfort that I hadn't had before because when you just looked at something a day or two ago, you kind of have a rough idea of those numbers in your mind as you go about your life. But when it's been over a week since you've looked at something, it's really hard to remember what you were supposed to do. So my personal routine, and I do it all on my phone, is I swipe between the bank apps that I have and my Google Sheets app, which has my budget. And there's there's two things that happen when tracking. Number one, I just mark things as paid that were planned for. So this a lot of times is bills in like the utility section, like cell phones, um, electric subscriptions, those kind of things. Those are just mark as paid where I see in my bank account, yep, it came out. It was the amount that I thought it would be. And I just mark it. Um, I, I use in a spreadsheet, I use the little paint bucket tool to fill in a cell uh, a different color so that I visually can see which bills have been paid and which ones haven't. So as I'm paying attention to the current pay period, anything that's filled in, it's like a teal color on mine. Anything that's filled in teal, I is my way of signaling that that has been paid and it was the amount that I thought it would be. So I I can let go of that. I don't have to pay attention to it anymore. And then the other piece of checking in, in addition to marking something as paid, is to record new spending. So there's always going to be things that we planned for and that we just mark off. And there's then going to be things that we either didn't plan for or they're coming out of a large category like groceries. So for example, I budget $420 a pay period for groceries. And then as I shop, I need to go into my budget and write down when I spent $75 at Costco and $110 at Aldi. And having a location for that in advance makes the barrier so low for being successful because I can even in the Aldi parking lot, I can open my Google Sheets app, I can write down Aldi 110 and I can drive home and that's done. Like that's not, I don't have to let it pile up into something that seems overwhelming or looming. And so because of that, those check-ins are super short and super uh, frequent every two to three days. So I mean, I right now um, I'm in the middle of a pay period and I think it's been two days since I looked at my budget, but I know that I have 88 left in my grocery budget and I know that I have 90 left in my gas budget just from from regularly looking at it. So I incur- I know that people are like, oh, I don't want to budget all the time. I don't want to constantly be looking at it. But I have found that breaking it down in small chunks actually makes it take up less time overall. So having 15 minutes every two to three days becomes less cumbersome than getting to a Saturday night and being like, oh, I should probably look at the budget and then having a full week's worth of expenses and bills to try and catch up on. Um, So that is my routine. And then as a pay period ends, I will take a little bit more time to just make sure that it it shook out the way that I thought it would move anything over to the next pay period that hadn't gotten paid so that most frequently comes for anything that like I write a check for, like one of my son's preschool only takes payment by check. And so I'll write a check to the school, but that doesn't mean that they deposit it that day. So if that happens, then I move that over from the current pay period to the next pay period and just take a scan of the next pay period to make sure it's set up the way that I want it. But I try as much as possible to make it be um, very rarely that I'm actually like sitting down in front of a computer with a notebook and making it this whole big thing. I want it to be this small rhythm that's as simple and routine as like running a load of laundry. Yeah, I, I love um, just how simple that is, especially if you have it in an app on your phone that you don't feel like you have to, okay, I have to find 
like a pocket of time every couple of days to sit down in front of my computer and type it all in. And it just makes it so simple. And I also love that tip of tracking like right after you're at the grocery store. And probably just the fact that you are checking in on your app would you know, reinforce that you can just pull up that app quickly Mm -hmm. before you go to the grocery store or before you decide to go out to eat and just see what's in there. Yeah. That has been a struggle for me is just, okay, well, what's in the budget? I haven't checked it in a while, you know, Mm -hmm. like assume that I think it's this and really it's not. And every time I would sit down to budget, I do it like once a week. And it would take me so long. And then I'm mm-hmm. reinforcing this idea that like, oh, this takes so long to right. track all the like tiny little transactions that – so, yeah, I, I love that tip of having it. Yeah, I, I would say <laughs> that most of my tracking happens at a park or in a parking lot or at the library or in bed before I go to bed. Like it, it is not, um, again, like you said, if we build it up as being this thing that we have to like mark out an hour for, carve out an hour, sit down at our kitchen table when we're tired, then we're just not going to do it because it just doesn't, it doesn't work in our busy life. So if we, if we can, uh, create a system that, can happen anywhere and any time, then it's like, oh, well, while my kids are on the swing, I'm just going to swipe between these two apps and jot down the, the three things that we bought in the last 24 hours, stick my phone back in my pocket and push the kids. And so then like that can be it. That can be all that it is. And that is tracking. Yeah. So good. So helpful and makes it so much more attainable. So we have mentioned groceries a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And that is a sore subject for a lot of people right now. I know I have found myself like at the grocery store, just looking at how much prices have went up and looking around at people like, are we, is this what we're doing? Are we all okay here? We can't be okay with this. (laughs) Yeah. Like not that we can change it right there in the grocery store, but it's just kind of feeling like, wow, the, the stress of how much prices have went up. So has your grocery budget changed within the last year? I'm just curious. And if so, like how have you adjusted to make that work? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I don't know in the last one year, but I do know that like pandemic, early pandemic, I was spending um, about 90 to 100 a week and I'm spending about 210 a week. Um, so I have added one family member since then, but she's small and she doesn't need a whole lot. So I don't think it can account for all of that. Um, so definitely I would say at least, um, at least 50 to 60% higher, um, in the last year. And, and, I, I feel that strain, especially I know what you're describing of being in the store and and especially having a memory of like, I know in the past couple of months, I bought this exact same item and it was a dollar less or whatever it is. Um, so that has been for sure something that we have had to adjust to. I, I think it has helped me refine how often we eat out versus how often we eat at home because at the same time that groceries have been going up, restaurant prices have also been going up. So it's it's definitely encouraged me to get more creative with the way that we eat at home. Um, I know there's I'm not going to I'm going to butcher the phrase, but it's something like creativity is born out of boundaries, not out of limitlessness. So having those having some sort of limitation or boundary around that grocery spending can can actually grow our creativity. Um, so just th- things like swapping out something I used to buy pre-made and now finding simple ways to make it at home um, and not doing that ev- with everything, but even doing that with a handful of things can help. Um, but I, I do, I know that my grocery budget has ballooned basically in recent, in the last year and a half. And, and that takes a hit in other areas. So while it is very frustrating that grocery prices are rising, uh, something that we have to bring ourselves back to in budgeting all the time is what part of this picture can I control and what part of this picture can I not control? So like you mentioned, we can't, control. We can't walk into the grocery store and in that moment change what the prices are. In this moment, the prices are what they are. And allowing myself to wallow in that frustration for too long is going to take away my energy and my effort in the areas that I can control. So I I like to feel that, uh, you know, allow myself to feel that frustration, but then pretty quickly move on to what 
piece of this puzzle can I control? So what other lever, what other um, amount in my budget do I have the ability to dial back on in order to make room for the reality that these grocery prices are growing? So I would say that um, some of our like entertainment, personal spending money kind of categories have dialed back to make room for groceries. And then also just some of our goals. So how quickly we're able to save or invest has also dialed back from what we could have done before. And yes, it's frustrating to say that out loud. But again, there there are things I can control and there are things I can't. And I can't control what Aldi says the price of eggs are. So I'm going to have to roll with it and make adjustments. But I, I think I said this earlier, and I think it's worth saying again, the the budgeting success is about persistence, not about being perfect. So if I can find ways to persevere through these high prices and stick to my plan as much as I'm able, even if that's less than what I originally thought, then that's still going to be success compared to just being like, well, the prices are so out of control that a budget isn't even worth it. Yeah, that's so that's so true. I think just even the intention of, okay, I'm going to find some way around this or I'm going to do my best to, I might have to adjust the budget a little bit, but I'm going to do my best to stick with it and see what happens. You know, I might have to adjust more. That intention mm-hmm. is going to make a difference versus just saying like, how am I, you know, throwing your hands up, like, how am I supposed to do this um, when yeah. it's so different to what I could do before? And and also not beating ourselves up for it. I see that so often like, oh, I'm so mad at myself. I spent this much money at the grocery store. Well, you didn't decide what the grocery prices are. And so at a certain point, like we we all will hit this bottom amount where we can't we just can't go lower than that and adequately feed our family. So it there are so many other worthwhile uses of our time and energy and mental effort that aren't sitting there being upset at yourself for buying food to fuel your family's bodies. Like that is a noble thing to do. And it's a good use of our money to spend on food. So I think, again, finding those ways that we can control um, allows us to feel better about the grocery spending. Another thing is groceries we buy in one big um one big ticket at a time basically like we check out and we see a total of like $220 and we think oh my word that is so much money but when we break it down into how much we're spending per day and especially how much we're spending per day per person and then ask ourselves if that feels like too much money the the answer is usually no so for example let me try to come up with a really round number. Mm-hmm. If you spend $280 a week, that is $40 a day. So if you have four people in your home and you spend $280 a week, you're spending $40 a day and you're spending $10 per person per day. So what that means that Every breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack, beverage, anything that you buy at the grocery store is covering that person for $10 for the entire day. Can we do that anywhere else? Like, can we go to any fast food store? Can we buy anything that's going to cover the person's all of their nutrition and beverage needs for an entire day for $10? And the answer is a resounding no. So even though the 280 feels like this massive sticker price, if we break it down and realize how much it is covering, we can start to feel better about how much we're spending. That though the, the total feels massive, what we're actually getting out of that total is so much more efficient and better than thinking, well, groceries are so expensive that I might as well just eat out for every lunch because it's the same. Well, it's not the same if we break it down. It's just that our lunch is, um, the total for our lunch is $11 and the total for our groceries is $280. So we trick our brain into thinking, well, groceries are super expensive and lunch out is cheap when really that $11 lunch costs more than feeding one person for an entire day. Yeah. I love that mindset shift. And, you know, I think we, there's a whole other topic (laughs) that we could talk about a whole different episode of just like grocery budgeting and eating at home and how to do that without burning out. Cause that, that's a huge part of it is, you know, I, I get to the point a lot of times and I, I feel like I'm, I'm finally finding my, uh, stride with 
making things easier at home because I'm not mm-hmm. this master chef or anything, mm-hmm. but making things easier so that we can eat at home more. But I guess um, we, I don't know that we can go there just for time reasons, but what are some tips that you have for saving money on food? Um, even, you know, one of them you already had said was eating at home more versus going out to eat. So for the person who wants to stick with her food budget in general, and part mm-hmm. of that might be groceries, you know, what are some encouragements that you have? I think having, I would challenge everybody to have five dinners that they could make without a recipe. So five things that they're like, I could grab a salad kit, a garlic bread loaf, a box of noodles, a, bo- a jar of sauce, and one pound of Italian sausage, and I could make a spaghetti dinner. Um, but having five things that we could toss together without having to look at a recipe and make it into this whole big thing. Because again, like you said, you mentioned Master Chef. I think for people who don't frequently eat at home, that's their idea of eating at home. That if I'm going to eat at home, it's going to be a million pots and pans and a recipe from Pinterest, and I'm going to have to follow a seven-step process, and it's going to take an hour. And that's that might be fun on a weekend for somebody who likes to cook, but that's not the reality of like a home chef um, who is just getting a meal on the table that is warm and nutritious and hopefully has leftovers for lunch tomorrow. So I would encourage every listener who is overwhelmed by the idea of eating even one more dinner at home than they normally do to try and write down. They might already know five things. They just don't realize it. But either write down or learn five dinners that you could put together without a recipe and put them on a post-it note and maybe stick them on the inside of a kitchen cabinet so that on those nights where you're like, this is overwhelming and I just want to go get takeout, but I know that takeout would be $70, you can open that cabinet and be like, oh, scrambled eggs and bacon and toast. I can do that spaghetti, I can do that. Burgers on the grill, I can do that. Um, and when we have those in our tool belt, it becomes easier to be like, I, I I, recognize my urge to go out, but I also know that I could throw this together in 20 minutes. Um, so that would be if I, again, I, I agree with you, we could do a whole episode just about this. But if I could only pick one, that would be my one is that if you start with knowing a few recipes that you could put together for your family without looking at a recipe, then you will find such a, a lower bar for making food happen at home that doesn't feel overwhelming. I love that. And meal planning is can feel like it has to be this like big art in itself mm-hmm. and it has to take so long and has to have a million steps. I love the idea of just having these five meals that, you know, in some seasons it might be the same five meals on repeat for a yep. while and that's okay. If everybody's fed, then we're doing great. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Do you have any last kind of tips or encouragement for the woman who wants to stick to her budget this year and has maybe struggled with it in the past? So something I want to tell people who don't currently budget and who, again, hear that word and it's a loaded word, is that your budget should feel like your friend. And if it doesn't, then then the budget itself isn't working. It's not that you aren't working. So a, a budget that works will feel like something that is helping you get where you want to be, not that it's a boss telling you what you have to do. So if it feels that way, then we need to change the way that it is set up. Um, And that could be adding personal spending into the budget so that you have license to spend as you would like out over and above um, the normal categories in your budget. That could look like setting up a reward system for yourself that I have a grocery budget. If I stick to it, um, this is a reward I still, I've used this for probably seven years for myself, is if I come under budget in the grocery budget, the extra belongs to me. So I keep the extra. So if I budget $4.20 and I spend $4.10, then I get $10 to go to Starbucks or I get $10 to order a new nail polish color at Target. Um, And that little tiny internal incentive adds up to so much savings for our family over time. Because if I stick to that amount, even if I spend $4.10 on groceries and $10 on nail polish, I stuck to the $4.20. Um, and so building an internal reward for yourself so that your budget becomes something that you are excited to look at, you're excited to follow because you are seeing the progress, that's a budget that's successful. 
So a successful budget is not, I limited myself and I begrudgingly stuck to those limits. And even though I didn't like it, a successful budget is we get to the end of the pay period and we think it got messy. It wasn't perfect. I overspent in some areas. However, I put $20 in my savings and I haven't done that in a while. Or I felt confident about my food spending and I haven't done that in a while. That's a successful budget. So if we think about the the phrase, stick to your budget, I want to compare it to a phrase that we don't say, which is stick to your calendar. So none of us are are making a plan for our our day and how, you know, what appointments we need to go to and then being like, well, you got to stick to your calendar. And if things change, then you've really messed it up. But then we do that for our budget. We say you have to stick to the budget. And if you don't stick to the budget, then you failed. You messed up. Um, The budget is a plan for your money in the exact same way that a calendar is a plan for your time. So we need to sit down with a budget and just simply ask ourselves, where do I want my money to go? In the same way that we say, how do I want to spend my time? And in those more sane, thoughtful moments where we're building that budget, that's when we're thinking long term. That's when we're saying, I work really hard for my paycheck and I want to make sure I use it in a way I am happy with. And so as we write that down and then we move into that tracking piece where we, we say sticking to the budget... We're simply reminding ourselves on Wednesday what we wanted to do on Saturday when we wrote the budget, which was to prioritize our goals, stick within a reasonable spending for what our income is. And as we stick to the budget, it's simply aligning what we're doing day to day with where we want our money to go. So that's what a successful budget should look and feel like is that it's it's so beneficial to you that you want to be using it. Not that it's so limiting to you that you barely crawl to the finish line. I love all of that. I especially love the idea of like rewarding yourself a little yeah. bit if you have the extra money left there uh, because you've done good work for your family, right? Yes. Have- yeah. It's a job. I mean, it is, it is truly a side job. Like the def- I like to say the definition of making money is anything we do to grow the gap between our income and our expenses. So a person who manages the money in a way that grows that gap is just as important, if not more important, than the person who has a paycheck with their name on it. Because anybody can bring home a paycheck. It's not easy to manage it well. So if you are sitting down, managing the money, spending in a way that fits your income and prioritizes your money, then you are earning money for your family. I think that's a big thing for stay-at-home moms is they're like, I'm not earning money. I'm not contributing. They say that all the time. I'm not financially contributing to our family. But anything that we do to grow that gap between the income and expenses is a financial contribution to the family. And is again, I I firmly believe it is more powerful than bringing home a paycheck with your name on it. Yeah, that's going to be, I think that's such an important mindset shift that so many of us can benefit from. So thank you for that. I am just so grateful for everything that you've shared. I feel like you've we've packed in so much and you've shared so much in this time that we've had together. So thank you for that. Um, Before I let you go, though, I have two questions that I like to ask every guest. And the first one is, what is something that you're simplifying right now? I am simplifying meal prep and veggie prep specifically. So as soon as I saw this question that you had, I was like, I know what I'm going to talk about. I got a... uh, veggie chopper for Christmas. I asked for it on a whim. I had never even used one. And if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen me using it because I'm so impressed with it. I, again, part of loving to eat at home is figuring out how to make it not take up all your time. And this little $30 chopper chops an onion in 30 seconds and a sweet potato in a minute. And it's fun to use. If you have any built up anger, you can just like push it out on this veggie chopper. And it is simplifying how I have to approach, how long I have to plan for making meals because all of my veggies are getting chopped in like a minute instead of 10 minutes. And so that has really simplified my approach to prepping food and getting more veggies in my diet and so many good things. I love that. I um, have a veggie chopper too. I saw you talking about that the past couple of days. I have one too. I've had it for a while and we just have so much fun with like, we slam that thing down. Yes. Yeah. It makes a loud (laughs) bang and you're like, yes. It is such a good meal prep tool. Um, My second question is, what's something that you're loving right now? 
other than the veggie chopper. (laughs) (laughs) I am loving getting back to playing piano. So I learned how to play piano when I was a little kid, elementary school. I didn't take lessons very long, I think two to three years. And my parents kept a piano. So even though I stopped lessons, I would just kind of tinker around. And just this past Christmas, our boys got a keyboard for Christmas that's in our living room. And they use it a little bit, but I use it a lot, actually. And just being able, like, they'll go to bed and I'll stick the headphones on and just tinker around with a song. I'm trying to learn the Downton Abbey theme song on the keyboard. Um, And I have found it so therapeutic, like, to just sit down, put the headphones on and play a song and practice something similar to what we said at the beginning, just using the brain in a little different way than what I have been throughout the day, even if it's just 10 minutes. Um, I I have just I've really been enjoying getting back to something that I used to do as a kid and um, finding a hobby, which I think is a really hard thing to do. So I have been loving playing piano. That's so cool. I love that. Well, thank you again for your time today. Like I said, so many great tips in one episode. So just thank you for everything that you shared. Thank you so much for having me. It was it was a pleasure to be here. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I like to sometimes add a challenge at the end of guest episodes, take it or leave it. If it applies to you, then hopefully it's something that just helps you take today's content, take today's episode and put it into practice in some way. So personally, after this episode, I listed out five meals that I could literally have on repeat for the next several weeks. We are in a really busy season as a family right now, and that is just one way that I can make sure that I'm sticking a little bit closer to my grocery and overall food budget, making sure I'm not splurging on restaurants or takeout too often. Obviously, there are so many different applications for this episode. I took away so much from Carly's suggestions on making tracking our budgets and tracking our budget categories part of our daily routines. So I hope you found some really helpful takeaways from this episode as well. And if you did, I would be so grateful if you'd share it with a friend or share it on social media, wherever you like to share things. I'm so grateful that you are here and that you are listening. If you have never given the podcast a rating or review, and if you're loving the show, positive ratings and reviews are a great way for more people to actually see the show and know that it exists. So I am always grateful for you if you take the time to do that. That is all I have for today's episode. Again, I'm so grateful that you're here and I will talk to you right back here on the next episode. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.